everyone, and welcome to episode five of The Lion Theory. I am Luke Brabot, and with me is Stu Adams. Hello, Stu. G'day, Luke. How are you going? Good, 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 mate. Big episode today. Some pretty huge. big topics. Yeah, definitely huge. Very right. heavily contributed to by the audience, and we're going to need a bit of help today. Moxo still on. He's, still on, he's on his leave. deathbed. He's got the Rona, I think. He's got the Rona. Nah, well, nah, uh, nah. R.I.P. Moxo. <laughs> rip, rip, Mox. We miss nah, you. We'll, we'll get, we'll get him back. We'll get him back when he's ready. Uh, so, really big episode today. So we're going to need a bit of help. And for that, we've uh, got a very, very special guest. This week we have Bianca Aguiros, who yeah, is welcome, B, an equestrian rider. Bianca, welcome, welcome. As I was Hi, saying, Hi, how are you? Good, good. We're very excited to have you on. So. Bianca, you're really, really into horses, which is really, really good and quite topical at the moment as well. In particular, your adopt, don't shop model that you're running um, when it comes yeah. to retiring uh, racehorses and, and race giving horses, them yes. giving them a very good and well-deserved life after racing. But what we're interested in, Bianca, is is where you've come from, what makes you tick and, and what gets you to where you are today. So, Bianca, please tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Pete. Yeah, of course. Well, um, you know, it's been a long, what am I, 29, so 29 years in the making. And um, I have just always been into horses ever since I was a kid. Uh, I believe I was eight when I started riding and I first said to my parents, you know, out of the blue, I want to start. And it started off with lessons and day camps and leasing. And I just never had the opportunity to buy until, until this stage now. But um, I think just as any other young girl, I was into dancing and, and you know, socializing and going to the mall and all that stuff. But, um, you know, completed HSC. I then moved overseas. I was living and dancing full time in New York as a professional dancer. Uh, came back to the NFL, uh, the NRL, I should say, sorry. Which team? And um, also had a stint in the NFL. But, um, yeah, it kind of came a, a full loop. I just dabbled in a few different industries. And I think now, and I kind of, you know, punch myself, I'm, I'm this late coming into the industry. I truly have found my calling and my belonging um, and also my purpose in life. And, and I feel that's a really important thing for, for everyone to do. And, you know, it's some may take a bit more time than, than others, but um yeah, through fashion, uh, through dancing, and now I am, well, currently in real estate, but trying to pursue full-time um, as an equestrian. Awesome, awesome, Bianca. Now, a question, given that you, you did so much time overseas um, pursuing dance and, and pursuing um, entertainment in that, in, in that industry, how did you still manage to keep in touch with, with your passion, which was horses, given that you were you know, traveling around the world and, and devoting your time to a craft that is so time consuming because, and, yeah. and also very competitive. How did you kind of manage to keep in touch with what you really wanted to do whilst actually focusing on something that many people have a passion for? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, for the first few years that I was living overseas, especially when I was in New York, that passion just fizzled out and I almost became someone that I didn't know. And I look back now and I don't know, I just feel like I was almost living a lie. I wasn't true to who I was and I was pursuing something that I just, I wasn't truly invested in. And yes, I wanted to dance at that stage, but I just, 
it just wasn't completely me. Um, and I, every time I would come back home and move back to Sydney, it would be straight out to the stables and I just felt completely grounded and, and whole within. So that was really important for me. And I mean, Stu, I, I know you lived in San Francisco, but um, Luke, have you been to the United States? Yeah, I've been seven or eight times now. I've got family over there and I've also had some some sporting events that I've had to participate in over there as well. So I've got a pretty good... Oh, pretty amazing. good coverage. I love the states, eh? Yeah, I love they it. Do. I can't be, There's so much to do over there. There's just so much going on. Um, but in saying that, you, you've both have been to Los Angeles? Yeah, yeah, Definitely, we've been there. Yeah. Okay, have you been into Compton? That's where I've seen yeah. I've seen some posts. Is this the Cowboy Comptons or Co- Compton this Cowboys? This is the Compton Cowboys. Yeah, you're part of that crew, And huh? I, well, I wouldn't say part, but I'd love to be. But, um, you know, I think I, having, you know, social media is a, is an amazing thing and being able to connect with people around the world. And, um, I was, this was approaching 2018 and I was going to move to LA again to pursue something that I was, so was so not me. This was after your stint in San Francisco, right? After my stint in San Francisco. Yeah. yeah. So Stu and I, I mean, we both were living in San Francisco in, it was 2017. Yeah. I was there for about 18 months. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's a solid amount of time. I wasn't there as long as you, but um, yeah, that's, I mean, obviously how Stu and I met, but um, when I, so this was after the stint, I moved to, I was looking to move to LA and I had come across this group on Instagram and it was the Compton Cowboys. And I had friends in LA, I had family in America, obviously family, he knew that I was moving and I said, I found this group and I really want to ride with them. Like this could be my opportunity to, to one, connect with other equestrians um, like over in America, but it can also bring me closer to who I am and I can, you know, just network and, and you know, connect with other riders. And that was an amazing thing. And the minute I said it to, to the girls over there in, in, in America, I was like, oh, you want to come with me? I'm going to go meet the Compton Cowboys. And they were like, no way. I'm not, I'm not going to Compton. I'm not meeting <laughs> a crew like that. And I was immediately shut down and I didn't understand at the time the, what this group was about, um, the depth that this group was about. And I didn't know how much movement they could have in the community. And, um, I told my parents and my parents are the exact same thing. You're not going to Compton. There is no way in hell you're going to Compton. And I was like, no, something's telling me I've got to go. I've got to go. Anyway, I moved over there. I dragged my roommate and um, here we were, two white girls deep in, in the heart of Compton. And, you know, driving in, it's if you both get to get a chance to go, it's it's quite startling. And I feel like we are so sheltered from where we live and in comparison to the other how the other parts of the world live. It is just a rude awakening. Um, and I'm sure it's cleaned up so much. And when I met these guys... I just felt like instantly connected. I felt safe. And I think that's the furthest thing anyone would think that I would feel. Um, and they just took me under their wing, whether it be, you know, be if you ever need anything, call us. And I didn't have, you know, I, I moved over there with like my roommate um, who was Aussie. But, you know, when you move overseas, as you, as you, you know, you want to have that sense of community and that yeah. people that you can truly rely on and lean on. Um and these guys were, were that to me. And I've, they've now gone on and, and wrote a New York bestselling, um, you know, Times book. And it's just, I just can't even, I can't speak more highly of them. These guys are just truly amazing. And they've given me um, a way to 
to follow my passions halfway around the globe. And uh, I couldn't be more thankful for, for you know, that's um, really, coming that's- into to contact with them. So you obviously, you did an, an incredible experience over in LA and then you came back home and then you looked to get your own horse. Now, talk, yes. us, talk us through how that happened and uh, how you ended up acquiring what it was quite a famous horse actually and, and ended up coming second yeah. to Winx. Um, and, and won, he sure did. And won several big, big races. So uh, tell us about your, your, your furry friend. Yeah, so I was actually at a bit of a crossroads. I was supposed to move back to America and, uh, you know, a few things kind of happened where I didn't go. And um, it was honestly the biggest blessing of my life. And I look back and, you know, I what a, what a split life I could have had. But I had stayed. I had made the the change to permanently move back to Sydney and, um, and to can you continue living back at home. Um, from there, I just, I almost was lost. I think traveling so much and a lot of my friends had kind of moved on and I just didn't know really where I, I fit or where I, um, belonged. I was, you know, back into the, okay, now how do I rebuild my life again after living overseas for, for so long? So I just kind of went back to what makes me happy. What, what was it that truly brought me happiness growing up? Okay. I, I rode. So would it be the fact that I start getting into riding again? And I did, I started leasing a horse and it was at that point I was like, you know what? I'm ready to buy. I'm, I'm like, I'm permanent in Sydney now. And I, I want to, but like start my life. I want to kickstart something. So I had a few friends that had bought, um, or adopted through the equine welfare division of racing New South Wales and basically when, you know, when you boys go to the races, when you think about how many horses race that day, race in the, that week, that month, that year, there's a lot of horses that aren't making time or are injured or just basically are retired. And it honestly got me thinking, okay, what happens to these horses once they finish up their career in racing? Where do they go? There's, uh, there's thousands, thousands, thousands. And you don't really think of that as, you know, coming from an English writing background, it was just like, okay, you know, a few websites that kind of sell horses, but racing New South Wales have this platform of really rehoming and taking these guys off the trainers and saying, okay, he's finished up ABCD in his life. Who else would like to further his career or, or educate him in another discipline? Um, and I had found my horse Ecuador through the equine welfare division of racing New South Wales um, and it was a really interesting story. I actually wasn't going to go through with him. Um, at first he was all the way out. Um, uh, he was Port Macquarie. So about, yeah, six out, five, six hours away from where I am in Sydney. And I was working full time at the, at the stage and I was like, Oh God, I can't commit to such a long drive. It's like a whole weekend trip. And, um, and basically you know, they kind of sit you down and say, you know, what you want in a horse, what you don't want, what you want to achieve. So they full profile you on what you're after, which is amazing. Um, and Ecuador fit my, fit my category. He was basically everything that I was looking at. And I said, look, leave it with me. I'll organize a weekend. Anyway, push came to shove. And I said, look, I just can't make the commitment. Just put him back on the market. Let's, you know, let's just get him a good home. And, um, you know, they were just like, are you sure? Are you sure? And I said, yep, don't worry about it. And, um, I didn't just so, you know, I didn't know his full background at this stage. I didn't know what he had achieved to the extent that he did. And, um, 
Yeah. So the next day, um, they emailed me again and they're like, I know you said no, but we really think that he would be best suited with you. And I saw a video. I'm like, that's it. I'll be there at 11 o'clock next Saturday. And I was, and, um, this horse has just done more for me than I think anyone could. And, um, if you both know the, the sense of, um, just the way horses work with humans and they're just such majestic creatures and, and so bold um, to, to really be vulnerable to that. And, you know, w- with anything, whether it comes down to mental health and just being in their presence and just letting them soothe you, it, he's helped me on so many levels. And for that, I will spend the rest of my life um, taking care of him and giving him the best life that he can. I've, yeah. I've certainly noticed that from, you know, from t- times that we've spoken in the past to now and seeing your post on social media, you seem a lot more content and happy. Obviously, you've got Ecuador yeah. in your life and you've got another man in your life, so are they both going well? Yeah, both Kiwi boys. <laughs> <laughs> so I must have a thing for, for the New Zealanders, but, um, I mean, Ecuador is bred in New Zealand and um, I'm now in a relationship with um, a New Zealander, so he, they both have worked into my life so wonderfully and um it's just been a true blessing i, I feel like at one state like at, at this point in my life i've got such a, a nice balance between you know my work my full-time work um ecuador and then having relationships as well and it's a lot you know as anyone kind of going through today it's just there's so much going on and we all have such busy schedules and um it's just really nice to have support in 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 what I do and having that from your partner means a lot to me. So um, I'm really thankful for that. And we've got a really loving relationship and I'm yeah, super happy with it. And he always comes down. He's he, um, he loves Ecuador and that means a whole lot to me. And I think having someone that understands uh, your passion, obviously not, it's not always going to be to the level of, you know, where you are because you're the one in it, but to just have that, just, you know, basically understanding support I think that's system, what yeah. all equestrians want from their partner. Um, you know, we sacrifice a lot, you know, whether it be going or skipping date night to, to go feed or if, you know, your horse is sick, to you know, to have to be at their care and aid. Um, and having a partner that understands that, whether he's there with you or just saying, yep, no, babe, that's fine. You know, you go be with your horse. That's, that's okay. We can reschedule. That's It just means the world to, to us equestrians, and I think that's really important. That's cool. That's a really, really cool story, and I think, the bond between animal and, and, and human there is is very real and it really shows that I, I find that the animals have a very good sense of the Completely. humans that they are around. Um, yeah. And, and so obviously you need to show that devotion and you need to show that care because I think they read, they read people better than people do. Oh, 100%. 100%. And I think that's what I was trying to capture. And when, especially when it came to, to social media, I didn't want a page where it was just, yeah, he's my horse. And, um, you know, just another girl that's with a horse. Cause there's so many pages out there of that. Um, I really wanted to kind of captivate, you know, such a, a, a bold creature, um, and completely surrendering to that. And, um, and being in their care and just allowing the journey to unfold. And, um, yeah, I think it's so important, the relationship that the rider has with their horse. And I really wanted to capture that in, in a different way on, on Instagram. And um, I think with any pet, though, it's just, you know, you can't explain it. I'm sure you both have, have had, um, you know, multiple pets in your life. Yeah. And just that 
sometimes, you know, even though they can't speak, it's just being in their presence, just the the nature of them and, and their spirit. Um, it's truly remarkable. So B, obviously it takes a while to form that trust and that bond with, with a horse or any animal. How long that take you mm. to Ecuador to readapt to you? And obviously I've, I've been around a few horses. They're big, big animals. They're pretty intimidating they're if, you're solid, not, if yeah. you're not used to being around them. How do you, how do, you deal with that? I think it took me the first ride. So I only rode him for about 20 minutes within saying, yep, I'm buying him. Um, he pulled a pretty sick stunt on me on my first ride and I, he took off on me and I was like, that's just not going to fly. <laughs> um, and I think that was his point of testing who his next owner was going to be. And again, I think group one racehorses are quite spirited. They're not like another thoroughbred. They're a different breed of horse. Um, so, I mean, as you, as you were saying, you know, they're, they're pretty strong. They're pretty intimidating at times. I, I'm and scared of the I'm most important thing personally. is they will read you like a book and you kind of have to be a parent to them. And that's how I've kind of seen myself in, into Ecuador that, you know, fearing him is not going to get me anywhere. And worst case scenario, I fall off. Worst case scenario, I have a broken leg, but that's not going to prevent me from doing what I love doing. And the fear of stopping riding over the fear of having fear is is greater than just having the fear, if that makes least, any least sense. At least yourself just, out, outside your I comfort like, zone, yeah. Yeah, 100%. So I, w- I had to put the fear aside and just kind of get on with it because at the end of the day, if I wasn't doing what I loved, um, if I wasn't taking him out for a gallop, then for me it's like, what's the point of having a horse like this? I want to experience everything I can with him um, and I'm not going to stop because of my fear. Yeah. Um, and I think you, you can – I don't know. I've had him for about a year and a half now and I, I know him inside out and you just, you just got to trust him. And that's what I say to all the girls because, you know, I, I let him go. I let him run when we take him out to the beach. I just let him go. And they're like, you know, aren't you scared? He's going to do something. Aren't you scared? You're going to fall off. And I was like, what's, what's if I do, then what? Like yeah. it's, you just got to take the risk and just trust your horse more than anything. And that was um, a real big learning curve for me. Um, And I think for all riders that, you know, kind of get a bit anxious and you can't afford to be that like that, you can't let fear take over because at the end of the day um, with, especially in this sport and, you know, other sports as well that are quite dangerous, one fear of one doubt in your mind can ruin everything. Um, And it's so important to have that mental clarity um, whether it be show jumping, whether it be dressage, whether it be, you know, especially eventing cross country, you're dealing with solid objects here that uh, you can't afford to, you know, to second guess it. You are going in wholeheartedly. So it's so important to have that trust with your horse um, more than anything. Ah, cool. Well, we're going to have to get, get on to the further parts of the show, but I'd really like to emphasize a point that you're making that racing New South Wales is really helping to try and readopt these these ex-racing horses. And, you know, there's a lot of stigma around horse racing these days, and you've got some people out there that say it's not safe yeah. and stuff like that, but we're not focusing on all the good stuff that they're doing as well. So I like that you like yeah. to see you push that message out a bit more and get that out in the media a bit more and get some support behind that. So that's really cool. 100%. So- yeah, I think it's always good to kind of, you know, just believe in where they came from. And, you know, going back to his trainers, Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bod, I wish I could give him half the life that they did. You know, they've done so much for him. And I think with racing, what I just want to, um, you know, put out there now is I think people that are uneducated in the sport 
will turn a blind eye or won't understand what is going on for people that are in the sport and taking on these off the track thoroughbreds we have a bit more of an insight to what goes on and they tr- anything that they want anything that happens to them they have got the best care um the best facilities and you know i i, I look at that and i respect these trainers so much and um, you know, I think they're just doing a, an amazing job with, um, with the stock that they have on hand and, and all their bloodstock. So, um, I give my hat off to them. Cool. Bianca, by the sounds of things, it, it sounds like Ecuador gives you a, that's your self-help, which actually leads us to our next topic, which is yeah. that, exactly that. And it's self-help. Now, in the, at the moment, we've got a lot of, uh, a lot of people are reading, you know, big self-help books, you know, yeah, the, the, seven, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, The Power of Now, all those sort of self-help books. You'll see everyone that when they put up a little post on social media or something, yeah. they have that little book in the corner and really referencing it. Now, I guess the question to the panel here is, what do you guys do for self-help? Um, is You know, the, the books are in at the moment, but uh, are there other kind of, you know, avenues that you guys like to take and, you know, if there are there any books actually that you, you guys would recommend um, because of personal experience? Stu, I'll let you kick things off. Uh, me? Wow. My personal opinion on uh, on self-help books is they're good, but I think you need to read multiple books. I don't think you can just read the subtle art of not giving a fuck yeah. and, and not give a fuck, right? So And it'll be all that's it. Yeah, then, yeah. yeah, and don't just post memes and quotes unless you're actually going to follow through. And, and, and it's just like a discipline, <laughs> right? So my yeah. personal thing on self-help is going to the gym. That's, you know, or playing social mm. touch is really good for mental clarity. Um, seeing a psycho, a, a psychologist is always good for anyone, no matter how, what you're going through, no matter how settled you are in life, because, you know, self-awareness is always a growth tool um, and also understand how you your emotions are. So I'd say going to a psychiatrist would be highly recommended for anyone. I don't think that you're too above that. But, yeah, for personally, when you're doing self-help or trying to get yourself in a better position, don't think it's going to happen overnight. Like you can't go to the gym and squat 200 kilos straight away if you're only at 60 kilos, right? So you got to you got to build to yeah. that. It could take three, five, ten years it's to get that. It's a it's a massive process, and I yeah. think that you know anything that you can do to improve your intel- IQ and EQ, so emotional intelligence and academic intelligence, uh, will work hand in hand with you be- becoming a better you. I think for me, I like to listen to people that I trust and, and care about and, and kind of view as a bit of a mentor or a, a role model. And I like to just, I always say, try pick the best bits out of your favorite people and then apply it into exactly your own life. Exactly the same for self-help books, That's right? That's a great one. I like yeah. that. And and it's, it's you know, it's not plagiarism, but- Well, it is. Well, it's not. <laughs> You're pretty much putting together some- <laughs> I mean, if that's the case, then, you know, every thesis ever written is plagiarized. Everything's plagiarized. It's just like you see something and you do it better and you put it into your yeah. own into And your own so, yeah. you know, for, for me, you know, I do have several rules that I like to apply when I do get down in the dumps and, and need to kind of pick myself back up. And the way I like to, you know, self-help is really by doing the things that I enjoy. Simple as that and, and do them for me. And sometimes it may be as simple as, you know, taking an afternoon off, whatever it is, you know, going for a swim in the ocean. Why? Because no one can contact you out there. You know, it, yeah. it's things like simply getting away and just focusing on oneself um, allows you to really think clearly and, mm-hmm. and without uh, without hindrances and, w- and without distractions and really to kind of 
to quote, you know, last week, ground oneself. Yeah, exactly. I reckon you're, you're right, getting getting away from things. Getting getting rid of your phone would be a major self-help straight oh away. Oh, my God. I can't stress that enough. And I feel like, I mean, during the week, you know, it's, it's kind of hard with work, but on the weekends, I have had my phone about two meters away from me. And I find I'm not as active on social media on weekends. I'm really trying to focus on being present. I think that comes with the whole being mindful as well. Um, but that's a great point, Stu, and I, I can't stress it enough. And I encourage more people to just take a breather off their phones, even a breather off socials at times. Um, it's so helpful. I've got one. I've got one that irks me. So recently, um, Wi-Fi has become more readily available on airplanes. Oh, yeah. And the day that I log into Wi-Fi while in the air, shoot me. Yeah, mate. Well, that's huge yeah. in America. Well, we're not going to be mate. traveling anytime soon. Pe- people, anyway, so. people won't be traveling on planes in America. Specifically, they can't get Wi-Fi. It's a huge issue. These guys can't switch off. So yeah, I think that's a huge problem. And my last two would be routine and consistency. That's going to help you out big time. What's yours, B? Are you finished, Luke? Oh yeah. I'm no, good. I don't want to cut you off, mate. No, no, it's fine. Okay. Well, let's go to B. No, I think what you both said, um, you know, Luke, when it came to you know, getting out there and getting into the ocean, just kind of disconnecting, getting in nature. And Stu, when you touched on getting into the gym, I think both of those are, um, you know, it, it resonates with me because I find that too. I'm such a nature person and whether it be just kind of, you know, calling a Biavo off and just heading out to the stables and, and being amongst these animals or hitting the gym, I'm, I'm so into my fitness and um, that really allows me to switch off too. Um, and again, just throwing my phone out just to kind of really switch off and disconnect and just be within. I was also reading a few things, um, over the weekend too, that people are not being grounded enough and they're saying that they're not having enough time, literally just, I know this is going to sound really weird, but just taking their shoes off and just being connected to the ground, whether it be grass, dirt, sand, what, whatever it may be. Um, and that has a lot to do with like your mental state, mental clarity and just being, um, yeah, grounded. We're, we're awful. We're awful grounding earth in, in, in this studio. We've, we talked a lot about it last week. So, uh, yeah, we definitely, you know, it increases your white blood cells by like a four, five hundred percent instantly from touching it. So we're definitely all about that. This is actually our next topic, which, which branches off from self help. It, it, it's one of the reasons we need self help. And that's the the negativity that we have in our lives, the the self doubt that we encounter. Now, when it comes to negativity, you know we all experience it. You know we are around it. You just can't help it, and you do your best to get away from it. But sometimes you simply can't, and so you need to identify different strategies and and ways to deal with negativity and to deal with self doubt. Bianca, I can imagine in your experience being overseas, and you know obviously having your calling now when it comes to horses. You would have faced plenty of stepping stones on the way and 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 roadblocks when it came to really pursuing your passion. And there, I'm sure there would have been people in your life saying, you know, it's just horses, like give it up and you know just suck it up and run with your career and and worry about the now, you know, as opposed to the way your mind will be in a in you know in the future. So Bianca, how how did you find ways of dealing with negativity or any sort of self doubt in one, you know, really? pursuing your passion and two saying that you know I, I am capable of of doing something that I really love and and yeah and I will love myself for it how did yeah. you kind of deal with that well I think growing up I didn't really have the tools or an understanding of how to cope with that and 
you know, just with any different field, it comes with, you know, self-doubt and negativity. And there's always people that are trying to bring you down. And when I was into my dancing or modeling or, um, you know, especially the entertainment fields, that was really difficult for me because I feel like there's a lot of girls out there that don't feel like they're, you know, good enough, that they're pretty enough, tall enough, thin enough. Um, you know, especially with NRL, like NRL cheerleading and NFL cheerleading, these girls are measured on their body. Um, and I'm not going to go into specifics, but I remember when I was cheerleading here for the NRL, my coach actually came to me and held my leg and she's like, well, this, this needs to go. Um, and, you know, just saying that I need to be thinner. And I, you know, besides crying, I didn't really know how to deal with that. Um, you just kind of continue and just keep going. Um, whether now that I'm old enough and, and wise enough to know that if anyone said that to me today, I'd be like, get stuffed. Um, because you, you know, you come into your own and you start realizing what you bring to the table. Um, and you know what, sometimes people are not going to like that. People are not going to respect that and that's okay. They're not your people. Yeah. Um, but you know, especially if, if I were to touch the equine industry too, it's such a competitive sport. And I think if I could at least change that and start, um, you know, we could all embrace a bit more and start supporting each other a bit more. I think everyone's really quick to bring each other down and say, oh, I can ride your horse better. And I think that's the thing. Everyone thinks that they can do your job better. And it's not the case. No one's in competition with each other here. It's really just focusing and turning that light within and just saying, okay, how can I be the best version of myself? Um, How can I be the best, um, you know, at this discipline or how can I reach my maximum potential and not, you know, looking without looking within more so. Um, and again, you know, whether it be self-help books, whether it be, um, just doing things that make you happy to kind of rebuild that confidence and that, that faith within yourself when sticking with good people. And I think people that you have around you, uh, speak so much and, um, you are who your circle is. And I think having good and healthy, um, motivational and inspirational people around you is so important and so crucial, so crucial. I think Great. that the uh, the best probably example in sport of negativity is the most successful NFL footballer of all time, Tom Brady, where he is consistently told in the media that you're too old, you're done, you've run your race, retire, retire, yet he continues to win. He keeps going. And Watch out, Beezer Cowboys. Didn't they just fan. win the, the Super Bowl? Yeah. He just won his sixth Super Bowl. Yeah. Seventh. Seventh. Seventh, Super- seventh oh, my yeah. mistake. Um, and the, the example that, that Tom Brady is, is you'll see every time he you know posts something to do with motivation or when it comes to success, he always throws back to negativity that was thrown his way. Now, hmm. and you see it, I think it was his last Super Bowl with the Patriots, his wide receiver, Julie Edelman, came up to him and goes, you're too old, you're too old, right? And says it mid-game. And Tom Brady just eats that and turns that into success. So, yeah. And like, I ain't no Tom Brady, but what I do like to take out of the lesson that you see with him is that when negativity is thrown your way, you oh, for me, I love to use that to fuel fire. And mm. tell me I can't do something and I will do it twice as good just yeah. to piss you off. Yeah. What about your own yeah. personal internal monologue of negativity? You ever get that? And I, that's me. You'll see, like, and Stu will see it when I train. I am, you get two Lukes. You get the happy Luke in the gym that probably doesn't actually lift as well that uh, as normal, or then you get the, the Luke that's got the shit. 
And when you got Luke that's got the shits, it means that He's my determined. performance is going to be through the roof because yeah. I am competing against something or someone <laughs> yeah. or you know I've heard I've had bad news and it's at the end of the day it's there are there's negativity and what is given to you you cannot control the things that you can control are your behaviors your responses your focus and how you deal with it so negativity isn't a bad thing and people say stay away from negativity well i disagree i think everyone needs a little bit of negativity why because mm-hmm. it tests us it tests us Rounds to be up. better and it tests us to really yeah. go all right you don't think i can do this that's fine that's my fuel Stu. Yeah, I'm I'm very yeah, similar. You know, I've got a few companies and growing up was a very good rugby player and stuff. So a lot of people always talk negative about me and I'd listen to those things. I'd hear them. You know, I'd hear the whispers. And just recently someone slipped into my DMs calling me a fake C-bomb and I'm, my business is a fake and all this stuff. What? And I was like really down oh. for about 10, 20 minutes about it. And then I said, fuck this. All right, let's go. Let's fucking use that as fuel. So lately I've, I've just been using it as absolute fuel. It's just like anxiety. You can create anxiety for negative energy or positive energy, right? Anxiety is excitement or it's what fear. So I, you know, the fight or flight theory. So I, I try to use it as like, let's go. Like if, if any of my companies ever make it really big, I'll be thanking those people that slid into my DMs and told me I was a piece of shit because that's really driven me. Um, and, and that's driven me my whole life. Like I had, my mum suffered from multiple sclerosis, as you know, and people used to say shit behind my back saying, oh, Stu's mum's retired and this and that. And as a kid, it really makes you feel bad about who you are and where you come from. And that was kind of the fight that I've always had my whole life. I've been fighting all that and I use that as, as fuel to my fire as well. I think that, you know, you can sit there and dwell on something and go, fuck this, I'm going to show you by my example, not by, by what I'm going to say. I was really tempted to respond to that uh, message. I wanted to get there and text and, and say who the F are you, but I thought that would have been real low emotional intelligence. So taking the higher ground and, and, and using <laughs> fuel and your actions and your success to show those people and thank those people for doing it. I really like them. Keep keep coming. Let's go. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on the, the branch of that. My old man's business started, and it's a really successful construction hire company now. My old man's business started because he was working at well, what is still the biggest builder in the world, what would be almost 25 years ago now. And my dad did a deal as a young bloke for a million dollars in 1989. No, 91. 91. And he did him a million bucks and then they brought him in and they gave him a $500 thank you, good job. And my dad, and this was, you know, at the time was the the district head of, of the company and dad threw it back at him and said, you know what? You can keep your 500 and shove it up your ass. I'm going to buy that division of the company that he was running one day. So, dad started his own business with enough money to buy a ute and that was it. And 20 years later, that same company owned this yard, which my dad was initially put in charge of and he bought it. And to this day, every year, my dad, and my dad's not a social guy. He doesn't go to lunch. He doesn't go to dinner. You'll rarely get him at a birthday. It's just not his thing and we respect that. But the one lunch he never misses every year is that guy that gave him 500 bucks. They go to lunch and split a bottle of wine and Barangaroo together. <laughs> He's Tom Brady, huh? Right. And he goes, thank you for giving me nothing because you gave me nothing as a result of this. I'm set up for life and so is my family. So exactly. it's, it's a perfect example of using a negative 
reward and turning it into a positive. So I think the lesson there is use it. Exactly. Use don't, it. don't sit in victim mentality. Like no one's going to feel sorry for you forever. You've got to keep moving. All right. So a bit of change of pace now, and we're going into Luke's story of the week. And this week it takes us to the United Kingdom where the headline reads, Weetabix suggests serving them with baked beans and people have absolutely lost it. So Weetabix, which is the UK version of Weetabix, shared a suggestion on Twitter to serve the cereal topped with warm baked beans and the post was quickly inundated with a furious backlash, but some people were actually up for trying it. So they've always boasted about the versatile nature of the breakfast cereal from yogurt to fruit to hot milk and honey to a sprinkle of sugar. Almost anything seems to work as a topping. Almost anything. So they've managed to spark an international outcry as it posted its own serving suggestion on social media, which was quickly labeled such as the worst food I have ever seen with my eyes and a fucking monstrosity. (laughs) So it just took one picture to send British Twitter into a full-scale meltdown as the official Weetabix account shared a snap of the two Weetabix lying side-by-side on a plate topped with baked beans. The photo was captioned, Why should bread have all the fun when there's Weetabix serving up Heinz beans on Bix for breakfast with a twist? As we said, the response was overwhelmingly negative and with one particular respondent saying, I would highly recommend... You sack your marketing team at once and then spend a little bit more time on the recruitment process than you did previously. I love both products, but this looks fucking disgusting. The second wrote, you've done this intentionally to hire to anger an entire nation, haven't you? <laughs> now, Wheatwix confirmed that it was best to be heated up rather than serve cold. And Heinz joined in to add to the mayhem saying, toast the Wheatwix, thin spread of butter, and a big helping of Heinz beans. How do you like your Bix? Oh, mate. Mate, they've lost Hard it over pass. there. They've lost it. I'm, I'm out they've of that it. one. The Raws have lost it, and Weetabix rec- have lost it as well. well. I reckon we go to B on this one. Let's, so let's put a hard my, question my on My question of the week, based off the news story of the week, what is your oddest food combination? Yeah, let's go, B. Come on. Oddest food combination? To be honest, I'm such a simple eater, and I do have like I'm very much a creature of habit. So I don't really experiment as much as I'd like. I'd probably say the furthest I would go in terms of like experimenting would be fruit and salad, but making it a savory salad. Um, uh, the old watermelon that, salad. Well they've got the watermelon and feta salad, but anything like that, I mean strawberries go in well, pomegranate goes in well. That's probably the furthest I'd go. I haven't really can't really say I've done too many crazy things. So, when so it comes being, to food, being I'm quite boring. Being Greek, do you put olives in that as well? Obviously. <laughs> Good for the skin, mate. Oh, <laughs> Would I be a Greek if I didn't put olives on everything? No. So yes. Ajax, Ajax and olives. True, true, true. Windex. And Stu, what do you got, mate? That's a little bit weird. Uh, I wouldn't say it's weird, but I think as growing up as a kid, you know, I liked ham and tomato sauce on a sandwich. I think that was pretty cool. I used to really like that. Really dig. Yeah, that that goes. I think. Yeah, I think it's still odd though. I, I remember I had a, a <laughs> I had a friend that I went to primary school with, and he would do simply the tomato sauce sandwich. Wow! And that, like, oh. I, I was opposite end of the spectrum. I was coming from you know a wog family. I was you know last night's dinner, which was a 
you know, a, a beautiful Bosquiola or a, oh, or a, a you know, a lamb or Wagyu, wagyu. ragu, I'm sorry, a lamb ragu, um, Papadeli or something. Like, you're getting where you we, are. We, we'd be up. living like kings in, at, at school, my brother and I. And then you'd look at your buddy across the, across the playground and he was, he was eating rabbit food, so we felt sorry for him. But they used to make fun of us, you know, like the like in the Wog Boy when he comes out to to make his own lunch, and he's got the uh, the big uh, bread roll there and the the salami and the mortadella and all that sort of thing, and he has to slice it all up, and all the Aussie kids are laughing at him. That was me, but my my odd food combination. So I've been told. I think it's magnificent. Is the uh, the eggs and peanut butter? Oh. Absolutely oh, no! Don't give me no. that. How, how did you even that. concoct that? Wait, so how do you, how do you do this? How do so you do this? You, you have your. It's not your, scrambled, is it? Oh, mate, anything scrambled, poached, fried, <laughs> you name it, sautéed. I don't know. Lots uh, of lots of fats. In oh, that, isn't sensational! It? So it all stemmed from my favourite uh, breakfast spot in Cronulla, which Bianca, you might be. Uh, is this familiar ham? With? No, no, ham's ham's my favourite lunch spot. Oh, in Cronulla. shout out to the ham guys. Yeah. Every Sunday, every Sunday. <laughs> Very good. Now, my, my uh, go-to is Blackwood. Love Blackwood Pantry. Oh, and, yeah. And they do a, a miso avocado, which is based, so it's a poached eggs with a cashew butter base. And then I thought, mm-hmm. oh, maybe I can branch off that and, you know, cashew butter is a bit more expensive than peanut butter. So I might try and make <laughs> so I might try and make the poor man's version here, <laughs> and so I put and it worked. And I put it together, and I went, "My God, this is fantastic!" So yeah, my favourite breakfast now is uh, peanut butter with poached eggs and avocado all put together, f- sprinkle of chili flakes, and I reckon I could sell it for twenty five bucks, and I wouldn't get any change out of it. You, so. you, you wouldn't get anyone Jeez. buying it either. Oh, I've got people on it. I've got people on it. I don't I'm, think I'm going to try that look, anytime I'm not, soon. Yeah, I, I'm curious about this. I'm not going to not going to diss it. I won't diss it anymore. I should say, but it, I, like I'm curious. But I think it would have to. It would work actually well if you had one of those peanut butters that weren't like a craft or something that's not with sugar because oh, I think 100%. you can get those really 100%, yeah you yeah. get those really natural peanut butters which are quite almost savory in a sense because they're quite salty. They've got you know quite a bit of nuts and crunch to it. So. Well, you know, would, the, you know the health food working, shop. Actually. The health food shop in Cronulla. What used to be Flannery's is now something else. They do. Oh, yeah, yeah. They do a peanut butter, and it's just peanuts. Mate, we're, we're giving every local um, yeah. company in Cronulla a shout out today. Yeah, why so not? Everyone in Cronulla, <laughs> better tune in. Why not? We're going to get some paid oh, we're advertising. Doing well, mate. Then you got the old loaf sandwiches down the road for lunch. Oh, stop it! Oh, stop meats, cheese. Actually, the only thing I know is Northies, and I've never been there. No, Northies. don't bother, mate. No, the the, the RSL's actually pumping lately. Like, well, I had a, a girlfriend. She went there the other week. She's like, "I'll oh, come," but the line's about two hours long, and I'm like. No, thank you. Not, but, if you get, mean, not if you get on Cronulla Water Polo's list, you walk straight in. So let's talk <laughs> after this, eh? Yeah, we can get you. We can get your <laughs> discounted membership. No to that. So, so. no, nah, very good. So, if, as you all listening online, if you have any odd food combinations, flick them through on social media on our Instagram at the Lion Theory, and we'll be able to go through a few next week. So. Our next segment is Stu's Hack of the Week. And hack, this week, hack, Stu, hack. what are you taking us through? Mate, we're going to go through inflammation. And I'd like to hear what you do first, and you and B, and then I'll go through what possibly would work better. So, when it comes to me, I know that diet plays a major, major role in inflammation. Um, Massive. So certain foods, uh, you need big omega-3s, um, fish is... I try to eat as much fish as I can. Have you read my hack sheet already? No, no, no. I actually based it off <laughs> my brother, who's a uh, 
a skierg champion, I guess. He um, loves talking yeah, about it too. He's, he's got the, the, roof, the fastest skierg time under 30 in the world for a couple of the distances. But his big thing was he was having a lot of joint problem mm. and they were doing all this physio work and, and Cairo and, and all this sort of you know snake oil stuff and it just wasn't fixing it. And he had a particular doctor who recommended that they change his diet up. So they changed his diet up a lot less rest, a lot less red meat and moved into the fish space um, and more sort of natural foods. So and, he's going, you know, grass-fed and stuff like that. Yeah, organic, yeah, yeah. And over time, all these aches and pains in his joints started going away. And so ever since then, I kind of went, all right, I'm going to do the same thing. So especially when I'm in tournament time for water polo or whether it comes to a, a big endurance event or something, I really try and focus on my diet. And And the last thing is before and after the recovery stuff. So I try, if something hurts, I'll generally ice it, then heat it. Um, and the final thing for inflammation, I find swimming. Swimming really helps me. It just decompresses everything and puts a lot less stress on my body. So is that ocean three swimming? Things. Ocean swimming or Oceans, any, yeah, 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 definitely, uh, definitely salt water. Okay, I'll go, I'll go through some of the reasons why that's working for you in a minute. I think people forget that as well when it comes to diet. How crucial it is, especially you know for for recovery, um, recovery as well. I think that's so important. I think people need to be a bit more mindful about what they're consuming, um, where it's coming from and, and what's actually in their food. So, um, you know, it truly does play a big point in, um, in, in recovery and in inflammation. And I've, I've started taking these, um, what is it? These magnesium, um, supplements and she, like, I believe I was talking to you a few months ago and I was just like, you know, there's so many things going wrong, like whether it be sleep, muscle joints, like I've been in so much pain and, um, I found a, it, it's helped so much, um, already, especially with like, again, post recovery and, and really calming my muscles down and, and, and sleep as well, especially right? when I've been on the go. So yeah, it's such a big thing. Dr. Stu. Yeah. Well, I'll go through what I will do, but I'll, I'll go through the reasons why definitely a high dose of omegas is hugely important. And as you said, you change, you, you've changed to more of a fish pescatarian type diet, same as your brother. Um, the biggest problem is with, you know, meats that we get from the, the shopping center is there's a high concentration of omega sixes compared to omega threes. That's helping out with the inflammation. You need to have that at a one to one ratio. At the moment, it's about a one to 16. So you can see there's a huge difference. So regulating that would be a huge plus. So I, I, I do a huge dose of omegas. I'm doing probably 6,000 mg's a day, so three, uh, three 1500s in the morning and three 1500s um, in the afternoon. And then I'd say magnesium is hugely important. I take about 1,000 mg's a night. Magnesium is like the wonder drug. You're all getting a lot of magnesium when you're going for an, an ocean swim. So that's probably helping a lot with, your, with the relaxation of your muscles so you're getting it absorbed into your skin. Um, and then I, I recommend, you know, CBD oil. And so CBD oil is huge for pain management and inflammation. You've got a thing called an endocannabinoid system, and that's responsible for most, you know, for, you, you know, for most of your, your pain and, and inflammation system. So if you can get a huge dose of, of CBD oil in daily, um, that's going to really help reduce the inflammation. But there's other things you, you should be doing is, along with stretching. is like getting a, getting a massage once or twice a week, you know, getting those lymph noids, um, you know, flushed out. 
Um, and then obviously get in a really good sleep so you can reduce the cortisol. And on, on, on top of that diet, so diet's huge. If you have a, a high sugary diet or alcoholic diet, your body's not regulating those blood sugar levels correctly. So you can either get on a really good diet or you can go um, get a, a, a supplement called berberine and you take two tablets before each meal and that will regulate your blood sugar straight down to neutral. Um, you, can, you can go a bit further than that and get a diabetic drug called metformin. And um, I've I've used metformin a few times. Um, it's, they call it the fountain of youth drug as well because it, it it slows down the aging process. But what I found is my endurance really suffered from that. So I'd feel like I had asthma when I was when I was training on that. So I wouldn't recommend that if you're doing high intensity interval training. So a natural uh, supplement for that would be berberine. So get on that, or you can go Keon Lean at Keon.com. That's my hack of the week. All right, guys. So we're going into our listener questions, and you guys have been very responsive after the last couple of weeks. So we're just going to have to pick a few. Uh, but Stu, you're the uh, head panelist when it comes to this. So take us through a couple of questions, mate. Okay. Question number one. Okay, and look, there's the the, the panel will vote on which is the best question, and they'll get the Lululemon voucher. So we'll go over that at the end of That's this. Exciting. So the 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 question number one is from uh, Luke Lyons. Uh, spelt with a Y, not an I, so he's not the real lion. Um, <laughs> he goes, what's the thing you wish you had known before you started your career, before you began your career? What's the thing you wish you had known? So that's a pretty cool question. I'll start with you, Luke. Well, given that I'm actually making a change in my career, the wish, the the one wish that I could tell myself would be back yourself when you first had the chance. And do what you wanted to do, not what you were told to do. That's the one thing. Awesome. And you, B? Uh, oh, gosh, that's a hard one. Um, I would definitely have to say, um, yeah, on the lines to back yourself, I think just stay true to you, stay true to your beliefs and in, in what you want to do and um, don't let anything get in your way, don't let anything stop you, don't let anything bring you down. Yeah, that's a good one. And I would I would personally say do something that you're passionate about and you love. There's nothing worse than just chasing money. Um, you're going to f- feel very anxious and depressed and you, you know, Sunday night you're going to be thinking, fuck, I've got to go to work tomorrow. So you'd, you'd want to do something that you're really pretty pumped to wake up and do. So I'd say chase something, whether it pays well to start off with, once you get a good career in that, there's definitely opportunities to get to that income level that you need to. And I'd, I'd chase something that you're passionate about, that you can have purpose, just like you're doing now with your horse riding. And let's go to question number two. What's something you've had to unlearn? Bad habits, norms you don't agree with, etc. Oh gosh! We'll go to Luke. Let you think for a bit. Yeah, Luke, <laughs> can get the, kick this up. There'd be, be a few things here. Um, something that I've had to unlearn is. I know this doesn't make for very good podcasting, but this is quite a difficult question. Um, (laughs) I'd probably say early on, especially in my professional career, I was a big interrupter. And that's not to say that I wasn't a team player. I just always really wanted to talk before the story was completed. So that's something that I learned with time and experience and the... I guess the thing that I had to unlearn was to stop interrupting. 
So that's me. It's very difficult during this podcast too. Everyone wants to say something. You don't have to, you have to time it perfectly. And what about you, B? Uh, I don't know if I was, I don't believe I was taught this, but I think it kind of came in my nature because I am quite sensitive. Uh, it would definitely be to not take things so personally. And that was something that I really struggled with, especially the past two years. Um, and kind of coming into my own, I was, you know, I think everything um, critique wise, it's so hard to just not take that um, to the next level. Uh, but that's definitely something that I've had to to unlearn and take a step back from and, um, and yeah. Awesome. My one was probably associated with a bunch of people that were easily talking poorly about other people and you can really get stuck into that with them. And for me, I refuse to talk poorly about anyone anymore or be associated with someone ask me something bad about someone i won't get involved in that conversation the only time that i'll talk behind someone's back is when i'm trying to understand what's going on between that person and me and then try and figure out how we can have a conversation so unlearning learning those negative conversations about people i think it's pretty addictive and that that also resonates into your own self-doubt and self-negativity as well so removing myself from people that do that i don't i don't associate with negativity about people so that's one of the things i've tried to unlearn and it's, it's one of the most positive things I've had and impactful things in my life. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. And then we got this other one for uh, when everything's said and done, what do you hope uh, people will say about you in your life? So obviously this is the old funeral question. You know, <laughs> the what old would, funeral What would you like, you know, how many people would turn up to your funeral? What would people like to be said about you? So I'll go with uh, Luke again and let B think about this one. Get in the cloud again, B. <laughs> he was a great man that helped others. That's awesome. Yeah, that's nice. There you go. Um, what are you going to say, B? You can't say the same thing. You can if you want to. I think I'd say that oh, I'd love for something to be said along the lines of that I made a change in this industry. How cool is that? Yeah. My one would be like, he's always happy to help. You know, he's always there when they need when we needed him. So I'm always there for people when they need me and I'm always happy to help regardless of the situation. And I think more people can learn from that. And we've got one more question to, to round us off. I won't, uh, there's one which sound pretty weird, but okay. Last question of the day is, um, what's something you want to learn or wish you were better at? I'll go. Play piano or guitar. Man, wow. Oh, uh, polo. Really? Just so I can cross all disciplines in this industry, yes, polo. I can help Suck with it. water polo. Maybe Not just water polo. I mean, like polo lacrosse. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Polo, like you... water polo. I the... suck at it. Don't don't get me with a ball. On the the Argentinians are good at polo. Yeah. Yeah, I... they're amazing. Yeah. Like, have you ever have you ever seen a game of polo live? Though? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, just. Like I'm just looking on the sideline, going, "What are you like? What are you eating? Like, what are you eating for breakfast? How can you be? They're amazing. Anyway, that's what I want. <laughs> my my one would be I'd always wanted to be able to uh, play the guitar and sing. I'd be I'd I'd whip it out at every campfire possible. I'd serenade every girl <laughs> in the world. I'd love to be able to be an amazing singer, be able to play the guitar. I don't think there's anything more sexier than that. You can't do that now, Stu. Look, I'll try, B, but my voice is horrible. He carries around an auto-tune Yeah, whenever he's around girls. Yeah. Oh, Actually, there is actually one uh, last question, and this is a cool one. What's your favorite boy band or female group growing up? And give us a one-liner. That was pretty cool. I like this one. Uh, Oh, wow. Favorite boy band was, oh, easy. It was... Oh, the Backstreet Boys, mate. They're everlasting. (laughs) They're they're eternal, those blokes. Um, And the Lions? 
And what's the one-liner? Yeah, you've got to sing it. I've got to sing yeah, it. Yeah, you've got to sing it first. <laughs> one, let's go. Uh, what's it? What's you are my, my fire. fire. Come on, beat Juppie. <laughs> Desire, <laughs> believe. Yeah, so everybody. I want it. That yeah. one. Yeah. yeah so back, Backstreet Boys for me, easily. Backstreet's back, baby. Yeah, amazing. And you, Backstreet Boys. Don't don't say Spice Girls. What do you got? Um, Spice Girls are great. For me, I'm probably gonna have to say like I don't know if anyone remembers this, but S Club Seven. Yeah. Yes. Good, good S Club Seven. Whatever happened to the S Club Seven? Like yeah. I don't know. And they weren't even like that famous where you actually knew each and an individual person, like you did it with like the Backstreet Boys or you know other boy bands. But in sync. Um, <laughs> S Club 7, and it was like, there ain't no party like an S Club party. <laughs> Gonna show you. <laughs> yeah. Very good. That's mine. And Stu? Right, am I allowed to do like a rock band? or is Boy it band. Boy You're band? that old. You'd be like Frank Sinatra, uh, Dean Martin, I'm, wouldn't I you? I liked Oasis, pack. man. I liked Oasis, <laughs> Wonderwall. Right. Yeah. Oasis. you're my Wonderwall. Oh. I said maybe. Beautiful. Going to be the one that saves me. There's still there hope. We go. There's still hope for them two to get together. Yeah, I hope so. The Gallagher brothers. Mate, amazing. that would go off. I'd love to see him punch on on stage or something. Yeah, like there'd that, be man. something on. <laughs> All right, guys. So <laughs> now we have to vote on the uh, the best question, and uh, hopefully we can get a 2-1 or a 3-all on this one. I will start off, and I'll say the Unlearning Habits. I thought that was an amazing question, and that's who I'm voting for. Yeah, I'll go Unlearning Habits as well. So it's a majority, Bianca, I, you're out. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I'm I'm right there with you guys. I think that's a question that I've actually never gotten asked in my life, and I think it's it really gets you thinking. So I really like that one. And I will announce the winner. It's Big Link from uh, B Fit down in uh, Alexandra. He's doing the nighttime classes. He's a he's a specimen of a human being, isn't he? He's very impressive. Can play tennis. Can take photos. Can do everything. Yeah, and he doesn't actually sweat. He glistens. One of the few people in the world. That <laughs> that's don't gold sweat. right there. That's oh, it's unbelievable. He's just a joy to be around. He's he's my man crush at the gym. I think he's he's got things going for him. So what about you? <laughs> yeah, no, no. There's no complaints there. <laughs> but um, well, after all that. That concludes The Lion Theory, episode five for this week. Bianca, our special guest, thank you so, so much. And where can we find you? No, thank you guys so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure to be on and catching up with you guys. Um, to catch me, I guess it's on social media, Bianca.Aguiros on Instagram to kind of keep up with um, my fairy-legged friend, Ecuador. Awesome, awesome. Thanks so much, Bees. Good to, good to see you. You're in great spirits at the moment. I'm very proud of you. Likewise, guys. Thanks so much. Very good. Time. Th- thank you to our audience for listening in every week. Flick us through your questions for next week. And until then, this has been The Lion Theory. Good morning, afternoon, or good night.